0: I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on, check. I've been torn, but I'm keeping on, keeping on, check. I've been broken, but I'm keeping
1: on, Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm Dove Tuzman. You are back on Equal Footing, and we are talking about criminal justice stuff again tonight. If you're a regular listener, you know this is close to my heart. You know, I used to think that criminal justice, policing, incarceration, rehab, etc., was a problem for other people. Nothing to do with me. I would never get into trouble. You know, I, I kind of... Just put it out of sight. Even when it came to social justice issues that I was involved in in my life, I tended to look more towards issues around poverty, issues around uh, gender inequality. We're going to be talking about that tonight to some degree. Issues around racism and so forth. And those are all terrible social ills. But when it came to criminal justice reform, never really interested me until, of course, I was on the other side. And as many of you listening know, I'm a formerly formerly incarcerated individual. I spent 10 and a half months in prison, pre-trial. That's a whole different story. We've talked about it in other times in the show. Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have happened that way. But it did. And it gave me a window into another world. It was like an Alice in Wonderland. I went down the rabbit hole. Now, some of you listening, shout out, you know who I'm talking about tend to think when we talk about criminal justice on this program that I don't take the victims into account enough. And I want to be very clear. We've done shows on victim advocacy. And by talking about the ills in our mass incarceration world that we live in right now, at least in the United States, we're not discarding the victim's experience. In fact, I think the best thing we can do with respect to crime is reduce recidivism, the likelihood that people repeat crime. Increase better policing, smarter policing with social work training, etc. One of these days, I'm talking to my producer about the fact we want to do a show on the average police person. Who is the average policeman or policewoman? What kind of training do they have? What, what, what schooling do they have? What attracts people to be in that, in the field? But when it comes to criminal punishment, we have to do, we have to have a system that isn't in one gear. I think it was Michelle Alexander, one of these commentators in this right, One gear. we're in one gear, which is prison gear. How do we get out of prison gear? How do we create a system that more effectively reduces the likelihood that people will victimize in the future? Okay, so tonight, let me we're going to have we have a couple of great guests who are formerly incarcerated individuals turned advocates and they're going to be opening up on the show and talking about the differences in criminal punishment between men and women. And there's some shocking stuff here that even if you feel this isn't your area of interest, listen, stay tuned in because it's disturbing what's going on with respect to criminal punishment of women in this country extraordinary disparities in the way that women and men are treated they're not what you think they're going to be but first let me throw a, sh- a few stats out at you and then we're going to introduce our guests and get going here so we spoke at one point in a previous show about the mass incarceration okay let's let what is that what, what does that mean when we say that the United States as a proportion of the global population is under 5%. So, well under 5% of the people who live on the planet live in the United States. However, 25% of the people that are in prison on the planet Earth are in the United States. So, we have under 5% of the population and we have almost a quarter of the prison population. Let's get into some of these 10x numbers. 10x means meaning tenfold growth. Think about what else grows. 10 times. If your, if your stock and bond portfolio value grew 10 times, if, if your, if your child grew, you know, 10 times in a short period of time in terms of size, nothing grows at that, at that rate in a short period of time in society. And when it does, you got to pay attention. You know what types of things grow? Computing capacity grows at that type of, of level. And, you know, every, every couple of years, every few years, I can't remember Moore's Law. Some, some listener helped me out on that. But, When things grow 10 times, we gotta pay attention. So what's grown 10 times? Okay. So the number of people that are incarcerated, the, uh, the number of people that are incarcerated in the United States, putting aside there has been population growth, but over the last 40 years or so, at the federal and state level, across all levels, federal, state, and, and county, has grown about five or six times. That's a lot. And that's during a period of time in which the population has grown about 60 to 70 percent over the last four decades. Okay, that's disparate. But the amount we spend on prisons, state and federal, and local in the United States since 1980 has gone up by over ten times. The amount of women in prison over that 40 year period has gone up up over ten times. The number of young mothers that are in that are in prison has gone up over a similar period by over ten times. And again, this is a period during which the population as a whole is growing 50 to 60 percent. We are now by far the greatest incarcerated grace, I don't want to use that adjective. We proportionally incarcerate more than eight to ten times, a little bit lower depending on the country, if you look at all of the industrialized world, Western Europe, Canada, Australia, uh, Singapore, Japan, other countries, Korea, South Korea, that are part of the OECD, that consider the advanced world, the first world. Well, guess what? We incarcerate more than ten times other countries in terms of a ratio of the population. Now, are we are we safer? Nope. We have one of the highest crime rates in the industrialized world. By many metrics, the highest. Okay, you say that's because there are. There are lots of guns on the on the street. Mm, that's part of it, but part of it is we train people to commit crimes again by putting them in prison and by exposing them to a violent world. And we're doing that more and more with women. Okay. I, I have talked enough. I want to introduce our very special guests here in no particular order. And hopefully, uh, they are on the line. I tend to screw this up, Dimitri. So let's see if I can get, if I can get both of our guests on the line. And you know what? I think I just disconnected one. <laughs> so hopefully they'll call back. Um, I, I I'm going to leave it to you, Dimitri. Okay. Carol Edie Porcher. Carol Edie Porcher is a just leadership yeah. a, alumna. She's served as a member of various criminal justice reform uh, organizations and steering committees and boards. Carol is a formerly incarcerated woman. She uh, has serves served as the co-chair of the organization Women on the Rise, telling her story, otherwise known as Worth. Worth was founded by formerly incarcerated women to serve the incarcerated and formerly incarcerated and their children, 60% of women incarcerated in this country have young children, have minor children. And Worth has also worked to change public policy and perception of these populations. As a member of Worth, Carol was successful in getting, along with her her uh, associates, of course, in getting the New York State Anti-Shackling Act approved. The ASFA Expanded Discretionary Bill passed as well. It was an important milestone in criminal justice reform. Carol has served as a coordinator of the Exodus Reentry Ministry at the Abyssinian Baptist Church. She's a member of the National Council of the incarcerated, and formerly incarcerated women and girls. She also serves as a board member of the WCGA JA, and the community for, Center for Community Alternatives. Guys, check this out, CCA. We're going to do shout-outs on this program and in the show notes to a variety of great organizations like the Prison Project, the Sentencing Project, the Marshall Project, and the Center for Community Alternatives. We've talked about CCA or the community, uh, Center for Community Alternatives on previous programs where they find alternative methods of punishment that help the society better than simple imprisonment Um, and Carol is the recipient of many awards and honors including Citizens Against Recidivism's prestigious Glenn Martin Advocate of the Year Award, the Howard Mann Humanitarian Award, the Women in Prison Projects, Incarcerated Mothers Advocacy Award and numerous other awards and scholarships. Uh, Carol has a master's degree in forensic psychology from John Jay College of Criminal Justice where she occasionally also teaches and she serves as a motivational speaker. She's a frequent presenter at many national and state conferences on social injustice, criminal justice reform, and women's issues as it relates to criminal justice. Portions of Carol's story have been published in books like My Sister's Keeper and The Interrupted Life. Her article, "The Mother's Experience with the Asset," was published in the Women's Law Reporter from Rutgers College. Carol, I am so proud. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> know you before getting on the air today. We've done a little pregamey stuff through our producer, but uh, it's amazing what you've done with your life. Welcome to Equal Footing. Congrats on uh, so turning around Thank your you experience. Thank
2: you so much for having me, Jeff. Thank you so so much for
1: having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on, and I'm also very excited to have. Uh, 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 Tam, Tamar, and I gotta pronounce this right. I was struggling for, I have a, you know, my name, Dove. People say Dove a lot. Um, so it's, I, 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 I it resonate when it's, people get their name mispronounced. So Tamar Cancer, uh, was recently released about five months ago. Tamar served 21 years in the New York Department of, of, uh, correctional services and during his incarceration. And good on you, Tamar. He received a bachelor's degree from Bard College. It's a great school in 2017, majoring in social science. And he currently works for Bard College as a writing tutor at the Brooklyn Brooklyn Micro College. Uh, Tamar also works full-time as the assistant to the executive director of Center for Community Alternatives. That's CCA, which I encourage listeners to look up. CCA, to be clear, is a nonprofit organization that provides services to people who have been negatively impacted by the criminal justice system. Tamar is developing an app right now that will assist formerly incarcerated people to transition back into society. He teaches financial literacy and civic engagement. He's based in Albany, New York. Uh, Tamar, welcome to Equal Footing.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Great to be here.
1: Okay. So, Tamar and Carol, I want to get started on the despair, this, cause this, this, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to address all mass incarceration. We've talked about that if, before, but, but we're going to specifically address the mass incarceration of women on this program and this, and the concept that, the and disparities between criminal punishment of men and women. And I want to start by bursting a myth, set it up for you so it's a little easier. I would bet that if you stopped the average person on the street and you said, uh, you know, uh, who's, who gets treated worse in in prison, men or women? Uh, I think most people would say men. Uh, I, I you know it's a, it's considered a more violent kind of uh, context. If you if you said to someone what at what rate are women and men being incarcerated in the United States, which rate is going up higher? I don't know. I think most people would say men. But the answer in both cases is women. Women are more likely to have mental health problems and less mental health attention in prison. Women are more likely, to, much more likely. We're talking in by according to certain studies, 10 times, I I read that 10x before, more likely to be sexually abused in prison, not just by inmates, other inmates, not just inmate on inmate violence, not that that's something that that, uh, can't be avoided. We'll do a show on that separately, but also by staff on inmate sexual violence. So Carol, women's experience in the criminal justice system, talk to us about it at a general level the different levels of uh of security, et cetera. What is the woman's experience in prison like in the United States right now?
2: Well the women's experience in prisons and jails right now is uh, akin to that of the men because most jails and prisons are standardized for, for uh the penalization of men. Um you have weight rooms you always hear, you see it on TV, it's stereotypical weight rooms, uh, prison yards, zones. they're all created with male population in mind. Uh, they don't they don't address that women have uh, a soft and gentle side, and they're not in the weight room lifting weight most of the time, and they prefer to be somewhere where they could perhaps call their children, address their family, uh, mental health. A treatment because they're trying to get themselves together to get back home to their families.
1: So the jails have been <laughs> built, the, the, not only the jails, but Tamar, when we were talking about the reentry programs you're involved with, the, the prisons and the jails are built for men, so are often the shelters and the reentry uh, dynamic. Now, Tamar, my understanding is you have you have a lot of family members. They're women that have been through the criminal justice system. Talk to us a little bit about the post incarceration disparity as well between women and men.
3: Um yes. So uh I have several women in my family who have been incarcerated um in New York State and outside of New York State even unfortunately yesterday uh one of my my younger cousins she was sentenced to 6 years yesterday um one of the things um that I've observed recently one of my cousins she lost her job she was working for 3 year uh 3 weeks with this new spot and um i guess when they they found out uh she had served the prin- uh, prison sentence they terminated her um uh, as far as after um, incarceration time is done, upon release, it's basically, um, you know, there's a website, uh, Women's Prison Association, they have stats on it that explain how um, women experience lower employment rates than men immediately after incarceration. You know, the situation for women, from what I observe, is, is very, is different in the sense that, Prior to going in, 80% of women are the primary child caregivers, right? Right. And when they come out, when they come out, they go back into them them roles. So, you know, if you can't get a job and you have a child, you know, it's difficult.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about... Young mothers in prison and how it's, how it's handled also when, when women have babies while they're incarcerated. We'll touch on, on some of the issues around reentry that you just brought up Tamar. We are on equal footing talking about. The disparities in criminal punishment in the United States between men and women. We're joined by two formerly incarcerated individuals and in criminal justice reform advocates deeply involved in this space. Carol Edie Porcher and Tamar Cancer. You're on equal footing. Participate in this discussion. Give us anecdotes, experiences you have, maybe yourself, people in your family who have uh, been incarcerated or have experienced those disparities, uh, especially experiences of women that have been incarcerated. And we're going to address some of the reasons after we take this quick break. You can participate by calling 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. And you can also text or WhatsApp a question to 917-428-4062. That's 917 917- Four two eight four zero six two. 4062 As always on Equal Footing, you can call or send in a text on an attributed basis. You can mention your name or you can say, uh, you know, call in anonymously or send in a text or question anonymously to protect your privacy. We'll be right back on Equal Footing.
4: I was bruised and battered. I couldn't tell what I felt. I was unrecognizable to myself. I saw my reflection in the window
1: Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax, and DocuVax is something you gotta check out. In these days of being asked for passes for your vaccine status when you go into a restaurant or get on a bus or when your school now asks for your uh, child's vaccine or other health records in a way that it's more detailed than they ever have before. You got to have a go to way to access your medical records, get them validated, understand them and prove them to someone else without going through the government. Well, welcome to DocuVax, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X, docuvax.com, or you can find them on the app stores of Apple and Android. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X. It's an easy-to-use digital locker. You can access it on your laptop or smartphone and it allows you to store and validate your basic medical information, your vaccine and immunization records, your lab results like blood, res- blood test results, even x-rays and MRIs. So you don't have to lose time tracking down your old medical records through files or other computers and trying to share test results with a new school or a new insurance provider or a new doctor. Instead, keep it all centralized in one secure, HIPAA-compliant, safe Digital Storage Place. Go to DocuVax.com or download the app, or if you want, call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. For as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access, upload, and access all of their medical records from this digital storage facility. And this is the best part. As a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals doctors or nurses are on call for you 24 hours a day within that rate program no extra no extra cost to to uh, validate your vaccine records your blood tests or anything else in your docuvax medical locker it covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile from covid flu and tetanus vaccines to colorectal or breast cancer screenings blood type information even allergy information and your docuvax medical data is never accessible to anybody but you unless you want to share it privately using a proprietary QR code-based system that keeps your data secure at all times. So put an end to worrying about if you or someone you care about is up to date in a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file. Your medical data doesn't belong to anybody but you, not your doctor, not your insurance company, definitely not the government. Sign up at docuvax.com. And if you're a small or medium-sized business owner and you want to sponsor like you would like a gym membership, give a health care benefit to your employees, you can get group discounts. Call 833-859-1933 if you're that type of organization. Mention you, you heard it on equal footing and you get an extra discount. That's 833-859-1933 or go to docuvax.com.
0: I've been caught.
1: All right, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman, and I'm joined by my guests, Carol Edie Porcher and Tamar Cancer, formerly incarcerated individuals who are now advocates for criminal justice reform, and we're talking about the gender disparities in criminal punishment, particularly the experiences of women. Before we went to the break, Tamar, you were talking about young mothers, and Carol, help the average listener understand what this is about. How many... How many times what what kind of percentage of the time or how prevalent is it is it for women to become incarcerated while they're pregnant? what happens when they have babies while they're incarcerated or while they're on a probationary period or in a halfway house? How does this work?
2: Okay, so uh, you stated before that you know you kept saying ten percent, ten percent was ten times, but listen, over the past twenty five years. Women's incarceration has multiplied over 200%, and that's based on drug drug, uh, enforcement laws and and charges. And um, a lot of the time, people don't understand that most women become addicted to drugs because they've had something bad happen to them. They've been beaten in, in domestic violence relationships. They've been sexually abused. They've been date raped or whatever, and women uh, self-medicate to mask and numb those feelings of those experiences that they've internalized and the trauma. Right. When women go to jail, when women go to jail, they're usually like Tamar said, the, the primary caregiver for their children. And when they are, when when women go to jail, a lot of the time children end up growing up and going to jail as well. The children, children are much more likely to end up in jail when the mom is incarcerated rather than dad based on that porn and severed relationship.
1: Yeah. And let's talk for a second about, about what some of the stats that Carol is referring to. So in 1980, there were about 13,000 women in U S jails, state prisons, and federal prisons. Uh, In 2021, there are almost 250, 250, 250,000. Okay, so those are the types of the increase. And over that period, again, population, did it go up? Yes, but only by about 45%. And you're talking about, I don't know, someone helped me with the math there, like 20 times increase over that particular period. And to Carol's point, why? Well, we talked about this in previous shows, but over since 1980 with the war on drugs, combination of the war on drugs, Quote unquote truth and sentencing acts, which gives judges at the state level less discretion in the sentences they give and the funding of prisons, making it in, incentivizing at the local level out of private prisons to be created and so forth. You need people to fill those prisons. We've gone into a, a period of, of mass incarceration, but women in particular, to your point, Carol, are much more likely to be in prison for nonviolent offenses, much more likely to be in prison for drug offenses particularly, and, and property offenses. So, drug offenses and, and, right.
2: and theft. Yeah, exactly.
1: Now, Tamar, I know you deal with programs that are aimed at recovery from addiction and so forth post-incarceration. Uh, How are the – what do you find – are there programs that are tailored more towards women? Or, again, are we dealing with this problem of they were designed for men and then they're kind of like retrofitted for women?
3: Well, um i personally don't don't deal with the um recovery aspect in c c a however um there are instances where programs that are designed for women in particular um for whatever reasons may be um they may not be meeting the the quota for women in comparison to the men right so you might have a um you might have instances where <clears throat> where um, certain housing must be converted, housing specifically designated for women must be converted to housing for men because you can't fill the quota of women, right? right. And like we all, I, I think I read a statistic, it said 54% of um, individuals um, returning to society are domiciled, they're homeless, right? So I'm I'm almost
1: certain- Right, without, they're without dog- a domicile, yep.
3: Yes, I'm almost certain that there's a demand you know, buy women for housing, but it's just you know sometimes um, it's part of the problem of, of the overall arching problem, gender disparities, right? Sometimes they they just occur, and um, it happens as well in in, in treatment and services. I, I I will believe.
1: Well, let me play the devil's advocate for a second. There's one stat that I came across. I found very interesting for uh, young offenders. So these are people under 25. Uh, in, if you take the stats, so this is using the Bureau, uh, Department of Justice, um, Bureau of Justice statistics. Specifically for those listeners that want to know, look it up. The Department of Justice publishes publishes stuff each year, and the Sentencing Project compiles this really well. Sentencingproject.org. In 1980, under 10% of young offenders of any kind, violent or nonviolent offenses, were, were women or girls, young people. In 2019 is the most recent stats available, over 30%, 31%. So almost one in three young people that are under 25 that are arrested in the United States, sorry, convicted in the United States of any offense are, are young women. I found that fascinating. And so, so when we, if we have a society that's more gender equal, Carol, I guess the devil's advocate would say, of course, well, you're going to have, we're, we're in catch up phase. We should, I mean, one could say, as a, I don't know, as a cynic, that we should have had more women in prison before, and we're just catching up as we get more gender equal as society in general, and therefore we're imprisoning, we're, we're incarcerating many more women than, but that's just because we're catching up to be more gender equal. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, it's a horrible logic, but why? Yeah, but
2: yeah, women are following women are following the men into jail because of the addiction crisis right. of the of the of the 80s and 90s. Uh, you know, the men were selling. The women, the women were at home becoming addicted. Right. And so, with those numbers, men were already uh, being arrested, but they also have more programming for men that keeps them out of jail or, 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 or you know, work release and, and two-quarter houses and halfway houses and treatment, more treatment beds for men that men end up in treatment, and that's why women end up in jail at a, at a faster rate especially women of color black and brown women because there are there are programs that are available but a lot of times some of those programs cater to women who are, are not of color
1: yeah and Okay, so let's get into this because I found the most fascinating rabbit hole, Carol, in the research for the show. And a shout out, our producer did an amazing job, job this week, all weeks, but this week in particular, giving me tons of stuff to read, some of which was shocking. And one of the things that was shocking to me, Carol, was the ratio... On an absolute number, women of all colors, white, African American, Latinx, Native American, et cetera, have gone up. Absolute, on absolute numbers. No question. 10x, 20x, huge, huge, hugely more. <laughs> uh, the little mush mouth, but many, many more women. However, on a, uh, a, uh what is the word on? on a relative basis in terms of the percentage of society as a whole, since 1980 and per- particularly after the year 2000, and I think this is not coincidentally or it, it, it's not a coincidence after that because that's when you have the boom of the, the beginning of the of the boom of the meth crisis and the opioid crisis in rural and white communities. There's been a 41 percent increase by the Bureau of Justice Statistics and published by the Sentencing Project for white women going to jail on a relative basis and at the same time a 60 percent decrease in African-American women. Latinx, kind of more steady, 5x increase for, for, for Latinx women. Now, I looked at the, by state, Carol, the the highest and lowest state imprisonment rates. Mm-hmm. Let me read you the highest, just quickly read off some of the highest states. These are the, the rates of, the highest rates of imp, state imprisonment rate for, for women in this country. Idaho, Oklahoma, Kentucky, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, West Virginia, Texas, those are the top top states. What do they all have in common? Overwhelmingly white. So, is part of what's happening, and I'm mean going to get to disparities disparities in sentencing in our next segment, but is part of what ha- what's happening, Carol, that is that we are experiencing an adjustment particularly with the white community where before we we had women of color incarcerated, of course we still do, and now we're kind of in catch-up mode. In, in the white and particularly the white poor community.
2: Well, we're not playing catch up, but what happens is, 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 is like you said, the opioid crisis. More white women are attracted to the to, to the opioid pills and have the ability to go into drug stores and get those pills rather and large amounts of them, and they end up selling them and getting busted more than women of color. But I don't think we're going to ever catch up.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Carol is right for everyone listening. It's, you're much more likely to be incarcerated as a black woman in the United States than as a white woman. We're just talking about the relative, uh, increase in, in, in you know, in a, in a particular period of time. We'll be right back in this fascinating discussion on disparities <laughs> in criminal punishment between men and women in the United States with my wonderful guests. Carol Porcher. I always want to say Carol eddie but Carol, let me get it right. Carol Edie Porcher and Tamar <laughs> yeah. Cancer. We'll be right back on Equal Foot.
4: I got to keep on walking on the road as I own Hey, we well got to keep it burning.
5: derm. That's 212-661-3376. You could even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures.
0: I've been called.
1: You're back on equal footing. I'm Dove Tusman and I'm joined by Carol Edie Archer and Tamar Cancer. And we're talking about Porcher, Carol Edie Porcher and Tamar Cancer. We're talking about gender issues in, 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 criminal punishment, particularly disparities. And you can participate in this discussion by calling 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090 or by texting a comment or question to 917 917- 428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. And we'll get to some text questions in a moment. Carol, before the break, we were talking, uh, we were dancing around the issue of, uh, mental health with, with drug addiction and, 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 mental health. And as I alluded to at the outset, in the outset of the program, women that are incarcerated in the United States are much more likely. In fact, about two thirds of women incarcerated in the United States display Uh, mental health issues, uh, for men, that number is closer to 40%. Those are extremely high numbers and there's, there's a, there's material for another show there on mental health treatment and how we, again, handle, uh, incarceration versus rehabilitation. But why is that, Carol? Why, and, and Temma, I want to, I want to get to you in a second in terms of those, those, uh, uh, systems and programs that are available after incarceration, but why are so many women are car- so much such a larger proportion of women are incarcerated experiencing mental health
2: problems? Because they were experiencing mental health problems before. Um, you would have to admit that for the most part, a person that uses uh, drugs to the point where you're addicted, you have to have some issue going on, and a lot of times that's trauma. So there's mental illness already going on, and then there's unaddressed mental illness in our communities as well. And so when they commit crimes and they, and they uh, end up in jail, it evaporates the problem because they don't get treatment. A lot of times they don't address treatment in, uh, in jail. They don't address mental health in jail. That they're just starting to address substance abuse in jail, but um, they listen. They don't, they don't even address a uh, uh, mental illness outside. If you're used to so many people that are homeless in the streets, walking around that are mentally ill, we, this, this society has stopped addressing mental illness.
3: Yeah, I think that. Go ahead, Tim. To add on to, Carol, to, add on to Carol's point, um, I read this statistic that said 86% of women in jail report experiencing sexual violence prior to arrest All right. so 86 percent that's a that's a high number so you're bound to, they're bound to experience mental health you know at disproportionate rates in comparison to men Problems, as carol said that um pre-existing trauma that never got addressed
1: tamar in one of our pre pre-game discussions you were talking about the visiting rooms and i'd like you to Help the audience understand and visualize the differences in visiting rooms for men and women that are incarcerated.
3: Oh, definitely. So, um, on any given day, you can go to a man's facility visiting room and go to a woman's facility visiting room, and you'll see mm-hmm. that the men' visiting room is packed, right? It's packed. People, you know the women, the women, the mamas, the the wives, the sisters, right? The the uh they support the men. But on the other hand, if you go to the woman's facility on any given day, that visiting floor, the visiting room will be empty. Damn near. And so, you know, it just go. Women support women support incarcerated men more than men support incarcerated women, basically.
1: Right. That's. I think that's that's part of the problem. As I was diving into this research, that. There's the natural support networks for women when they're incarcerated are not not there nearly as much as they are for men, which was surprising. Carol, what, what kinds of things are being done to? Because we've been talking about the problem, and we're two thirds of the way here through through the discussion. What are some of the solutions? What, what's being done to address these dispar- gender disparities in criminal punishment?
2: Okay, let me get, I'll get right back to. Let me just uh, bolster Tamar's point. When I was incarcerated in 1998, my child was uh, taken into the child care, in the child, uh, children's system, um, ACS. And because I still had rights to my child, I was supposed to see my child at least on a monthly basis. And the person that was supposed to bring her up, bring him up was the child care specialist. Um, I would have appointments for visits with my son, and at the last minute, or sometimes without warning whatsoever, the child care specialist would just cancel my visit, saying she was sick or this emergency came up, or this and that. And when she would see me, she would say, I don't feel like coming across the bridge, having to sit all day and wait and then be searched before I come in here to bring your child to see you. Mm-hmm. It was a part of her job. She was supposed to manage it or get someone else to bring to my, to my son. She only did that once, if she had somebody else bring my son. With me. But I can remember at least three or four different times. In the five, times that I, five months that I was in jail, that my visit was canceled without words. Or suddenly, someone would call to and
1: say, "Okay, the visit's been canceled." Yeah, and often, often the men. There's a lot of stats on this. Often, when men are incarcerated, they will have a spouse or a girlfriend that's supporting them, in the, emotionally and bringing the child in to to see uh, the parent, which is much the less father. likely. Yeah, the father in that case much less likely in the mm-hmm. case of, of of women. And and thank you to a listener who, on the issue of sexual assault in prison, uh, actually sent a uh, a, a study that was done by the Department of Justice, an internal study on uh, sexual assault, and listen to these numbers, guys. I, I pulled this up so I can I can verify this is real uh, data published by the government that uh, on a self-reported basis, uh, men incarcerated in the United States in medium and max security facilities. Report in the pri- in six months prior to the study. So in that, just in that six month window, that just under 5% had experienced some form of sexual assault. 41% of women incarcerated in medium and max security prisons in the United States in that same study reported sexual assault in prison in the prior six months. So thank you to the listeners who sent that through. Uh Carol, uh these numbers are staggering to me. is that is is how much of that and I probably could find out reading more in this article, but how much of that is inmate on inmate versus um staff on inmate? Sexual assault?
2: Not sure about the statistics, but you but they you see it okay, in women's jails, okay, uh, there is oh there is some sexual abuse but a lot of the times when you hear about sexual abuse of women and women's deals, it could be a transgender person as well. But a lot of the time it's going to be an officer sexually abusing, getting a woman into a position where she has to work for him after hours or when he, when, when, uh, people are on the count and she has a job. Cleaning the the dorms or something where he can trap her off, get her in the bubble, get her in his office, and sexually abuse her. That's going to be the the, the most part of it. It's, you know, more often than not. Yeah,
1: that's just absolutely shocking. Uh, we have another quick text comment. This is not a question, but this is actually a probation officer who's listening, um, who's just giving kudos that the discussion that we're even highlighting the issues, which I, I find. <laughs> Encouraging, wonderful that there are folks that are involved in supervision. And there are 1.2 million women in the United States who are are under some form of supervision. So about six times the amount of women that are incarcerated are, or I guess five times because you gotta take out the incarcerated number. So in addition to the, to the about 250,000 women that are incarcerated in the United States, another almost a million are under other forms of supervision like pretrial. Supervision and and, and probation. Uh, I imagine that what you just described can occur in that power. Anytime there's a power imbalance, right, is it, it conduces to, to those types of abuses. All right, let's take a caller on line three. Caller on line three, you're on the air. Welcome to Equal Footing.
4: Good evening. This is Stan. How are you?
1: Stan, I was hoping you'd call. Good. Good. <laughs> Good.
4: Oh, she's Hi, laughing. She must have heard me before. Yes. Anyway, uh, I don't know where to start with this. I really don't, because I I can go a hundred different ways with this conversation. And uh, first of all, in your introduction, you missed saying one major thing about all three of these people. What did they do to get incarcerated? That's the first thing I need to know. What did Tam do to get incarcerated? What did the lady do to get the amount of time they serve. What did they do? You didn't tell us that.
1: Okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> ask, we'll ask in a moment, but keep, keep going. We'll ask, but keep going, Stan. What, what's, no, well, that's, no, one that's question. That's
4: the first part. Okay. What did they do? Okay. And if you can answer that, then I can go on because I'd like yeah, to know well, what they did. Let,
1: be, before, before you guys answer, to be fair, we're not having a conversation about Carol Porcher's or Tamar Cancer's particular process of punishment. We're talking about this, the, the, the statistics around the differences between men and women. So if you, so, yeah, but so it has to go. No, it has to. Hang do, on a sec. If you let me ask you this.
4: No, no, they are the ones that are, are, are the guests, not me. Well, but you call. No, them. just a minute. They are the guests, and I first of all I want to congratulate them for Pam for getting a degree, for our the lady getting success and getting a job and getting her life together. And that reason for all three of them was incarceration worked for these people. Absolutely. It it changed their changed their minds and they told their the evil God. and
3: they corrected I would, themselves. I would, I would I would beg to disagree with you on that note because there are plenty of people who are incarcerated who don't take the time out. If if me and Carol didn't decide to say, yo, uh, I want to change the way I think. Oh, that that's does, doesn't allow you to do that. But you did it. You did it. That's Dots. great. Yes, I, I'm, proud I'm, I'm proud of yes, you. I'm proud
4: of
3: the lady, too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, go ahead. Not, the, it's not the idea of Jail, Jail didn't that's fix hard. me. Jail didn't, <laughs> Jail didn't fix me. Jail didn't motivate me. Prison didn't motivate me to go get an education.
4: Well, exactly. it motivated yeah. you some way
2: yeah. because you yeah. wised up. It did, 20 years C- did C- motivate Carol, you,
1: my Carol, friend. Carol, why why were you incarcerated in your case?
2: Yeah, why? I was incarcerated because I was addicted to drugs. I got caught. I got arrested with, uh, with drug possession, and I went to jail and I did five. I did five months in jail. I had already done eight months in jail for the same reason. But I got clean because I went to treatment stay and I... When I was, well, well that's, that's good. No, that's
1: good. Stan, but it took the incarceration I, I, Stan, to get you to do that. It, one, in one of your – it's not. It, to the, the guests might not be aware of this, but in a previous show, I remember, we were talking about uh, uh, victims' rights. And I want to be clear that well under 10% of women – in because in this program, we're really addressing this time about the disparities in gender disparities in criminal punishment. Under 10% of women in prison in the United States are in prison for a violent crime. Most – over two-thirds – are either dr- drug, a lot of drug uh, use, uh, often stemming from addiction, and and drug procurement and drug distribution. Not that those are victimless cl- crimes, but there's there are significant statistical disparities in kind of uh, what the what the federal probation um, system refers to as masculine, typically masculine crimes, which are much more likely to be to inv- involve violence. So. I think we've got to recognize that there are differences there.
4: Well, let, let me state this. The woman, I'm glad she's where she is now, and that's great. I don't know if she sold drugs. I don't know if she was involved in selling them during this period. That's up to her to just tell. But uh, it was the incarceration, to a large extent, that got them to see their light. And I'm for incarceration. It works. And for Tam, it seemed to, you know, he, he saw the light to some extent. He got an education. God bless him. That was he a premise. But,
1: but Stan, that was a premise for a previous show, as a t- alternatives to incarceration, and you and I hashed that out a little bit. Yeah. That's not what this show is about. This show is no, about disparities. Is about whole, but I can say so, the same but, thing
4: about but, but women too. Do you, but what do you percentage think, of the women are black? But, let's get to it. What percentage of the women in these in jail is black? Eighty percent, fifty percent? It's actually
1: it's actually much less than in in mail. I'll I'll give you the status. in New York. I'm talking
4: New York.
1: Uh, New York is going to be more difficult, but I'll give you the the country as a whole if you give me a second because there's been there was great ahead, research sure. sent my way yeah. here. But in the meantime, I just I want to point out that what we're talking about here are the disparities. So it, in that to that last uh listener's comment, if you go to jail. Set as part of us. Everything else being equal, as a man in the United States, and any six-month period, you've got about a one in twenty chance to be sexually assaulted. If you go to jail as a woman in the United States, for every six months that you're in jail, you've got almost a fifty percent chance or 40% chance to be fair. Is that fair, Stan?
4: No, of course. But who's, in so- who's doing it? It's, it's the other prison go- people that are doing it.
1: Actually, it's I, not I, necessarily the God. Actually, it's about looking at... These are Bureau of, uh, Department of Justice uh, studies. It's actually about half-half. So about one in, in fives. So make sure this as crystal clear for listeners. About one, every six months, if you're a woman in jail in the United States... You have a 1 in 5 chance of getting sexually assaulted. Is, that by, is that by by sorry by almost 40% overall. 1 in 5 chance of being sexually assaulted by a staff so, member.
4: So what's your what's your I, well, I don't know, How, so how, how your can point? you
1: how can you defend sexual assault by a I, staff member a and an inmate? How is that that's possible? Words
4: in my mouth. I'm not <laughs> defending sexual assault. It shouldn't happen in jail, but it's usually gangs that form in jail. The Department like of Justice gangs, itself reports gangs that so forth, it's... It, gangs that form, wait a minute, and form in jail, and that's, you know, like, they, they take people, say, hey, you are got to be, you know, you know, like homosexuality, lesbian goes on what, there. What, the prison, gangs? are you, here? You, is on, is your, is your argument the that the
1: prison guards are part of gangs?
4: Uh, prison guards, if they're guilty, deserve to do crime, time. excuse okay. me, and
1: crime. Well, listen, <laughs> I, deserve- I I appreciate your call, and I do, and I really, okay, I really but do.
4: I mean, let's tell the truth here. I'm so, I'm glad they're all better, these people, and I'm glad, but it took incarceration to to see the light. That's the bottom line. Thank you.
1: I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your call, Carol. Is that is that is that why you quote unquote saw the light? Was it because you were incarcerated?
2: No, I saw the light before I got incarcerated. I got arrested. I got arrested while I was planning on getting clean, trying to get clean, but just figured I needed one more to get, you know, to, to give me the courage to go into to the hospital to get me a bed. Um, and I got arrested on the way with possession. But no, I had already been trying to get clean for years. There were very little programs for women when I got clean 23 years ago. It was very difficult for women to get clean. Did you did you get any
1: beds. substance abuse support when you were in prison? Any kind of recovery support?
2: No, absolutely not. Actually, as as a matter of fact, you can get more drugs in jail than you can outside.
1: I often hear that.
2: Oh, practically. No, no. I didn't get any <laughs> jail, abuse treatment in jail.
3: Jail is not a motivator. Prison is not a motivator of rehabilitation. It just isn't. Um, speaking of substance abuse. Do you know it's a policy? It's an unwritten policy in New York Docs. Let's say you need ASAP, RSAP, right? That's a drug program, six-month drug program. They will not give you that program unless you're about ready to go out the door. So if you got a 10, 20-year sentence. Your, your issue never gets addressed into a year you go out the door. Right, because it's a federally funded program, and they keep they they keep it full. So if you got a long time to go, you way. wait. So that's a decade goes by, you haven't treated your, you haven't treated your your, your 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 issue. Right. So doctors not designed to be rehabilitative.
1: We got to take one more break guys fascinating discussion i do want to thank you stan for having called in uh we'll be right back on equal footing talking about gender disparities in criminal punishment in the united states Bye. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Manhattan Medical. These are sometimes awkward things to talk about, but absolutely essential to a healthy functioning relationship. That is the impact of erectile dysfunction, being unable to have enjoyable sex. And there are alternatives to those expensive blue pills that many people can't take because of comorbidities and side effects there's a non-invasive, surgery-free, and painless alternative, and that's the Gaines Wave Therapy Method by Manhattan Medical. This is available to people all over the country. You can do do uh, consults by uh, telehealth and Zoom. You don't have to be in the New York area. Of course, you can also do it in person. And the Gaines Wave Erectile Dysfunction Program by Manhattan Medical has wonderful results. There are no side effects. This sponsor came to me through a dear friend who's in his mid-80s, and he had trouble with erectile dysfunction, had no other options because he couldn't take other remedies because of other medications he was taking. Manhattan Medical worked for him. If it can work for him, it can work for you. This is not just a man's problem, although it affects over 50% of men in their lifetime. It is a couple's problem. Deal with it. There are alternatives. Call for a free consultation. You get that free consultation if you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Erectile Dysfunction Therapy on the Equal Footing Radio program. Call 888 edq 9 That's 888 edq 9 And that is spelled 88. sorry, those numbers are 888-332-8739. 888-332-8739. Call now. Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction. All right, you're back on equal footing. Oh, we only have like six minutes left. We're going to try to get to callers that are on the lines. We're not definitely not going to get to all the uh, text comments and questions. Something happened. Every time Stan calls in, we get the boards light up. I love it. Carol Edie Porcher, Tamar Cancer, thank you so much for joining tonight. Let's take a couple callers calling in on this topic of separate but Unequal disparities in criminal punishment between men and women in this country. Caller on line one, you're on equal footing. If you can hear me, you're on the air. Caller on line one, can you hear me?
0: Can you hear me?
6: Yep, go ahead.
0: Okay, hi. Um I'm calling um, because the previous caller aggravated me so much I, I couldn't resist Um I know Carol well, and she is um, a mentor, a guiding light, um, and I am absolutely certain that she did not need to go to what we have as a correctional system in order to be the person that she is. Um, We wouldn't have our rate of incarceration in this country, um, if we were actually interested in rehabilitating and supporting people, everyone in the developed world does incarceration and rehabilitation meaningfully, so, except for yeah. the United States. You go to prison and jail in the United States and you will be worse off in many cases than had you gone, never gone in. And, and this is about also impacting the communities because prison and jail take from communities. So I just hope that people like your previous caller, they're dinosaurs. We will have to come to some right thinking about um, how we address crime. Not all violent crime is violent, that we value property over lives, and that we are destroying communities and not thank, contributing thank, to public thank safety. Thank you for
1: making these points. Can you tell me, do you mind telling me your name? Who, me. Yeah, taking your address. I'm Tracy. Tracy, thank you so much for calling in. For folks like Stan and I and I appreciate you calling and being honest about it. I'm sure there are a lot of folks that think that way in terms of hey, you're on the program because you're incarcerated. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. We are the only country in the developed world, like the only comps are places like China. Like Mongolia, North Korea, no offense to those countries, but they're not countries that are based on democratic principles, at least at this time, that incarcerate as indiscriminately as we do. We lump together right. people that are, that hurt others, that exert violence or steal, and people that have mental health or drug problems. They go to the same place. And commenters like Michelle Alexander and others have called this like, it, 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 as breeding grounds it reminds me of the leo tosto quote that like prisons are seemingly purposely invented for the de- production of further depravity and vice in other words like people often go go in like you say and get and are much worse coming out on the other side so this yes. isn't about ignoring victims it's not about ignoring violence we got to understand especially when it comes to women you're talking about the vast majority of women that are incarcerated in the United States are incarcerated with mental health issues is that a coincident, if not causal so thank you for calling in Tracy and just per- thank you let's let's take caller on online two you're on the air very cool Hello? yep go ahead just got a couple minutes can you hear me we can
6: Hi, this is. I'm sorry. I'm gonna make it quick. This is Carol's daughter, and I'm just gonna call Stan a racist on the air. He tries to make it oh. seem like women, like like somehow, if they're being sexually assaulted, it's by other women, and he did not want to even acknowledge that guards would sexually assault a woman and tried to like revictimize the victim.
1: Yeah, just for everyone out there who might be doubting this, the, the, uh, the Sentencing Project and the Bureau of Justice, uh, collaborate. There's a lot of data out there. It's super easy to find. You can go to sentencingproject.org, the marshallproject.org, or the Department of Justice, uh, uh, portal as well. And there's tons of data on this. And guys, it, it, about half of the time you're ta- in, when it comes to women's incarceration, you're talking about staff on women, uh, staff on in, on inmate uh, sexual assault. Okay, so th- those are the numbers. Now, I, did you mean sex I don't think you meant racist. You meant sexist, right? With, with...
6: No, I I thought he was racist. He said these people, and he was like, what does she do? So it was like trying to turn the topic off of the amazing things that both of these people have accomplished back onto their crime. When you clearly said the show was not about that, we're talking about statistics. So he wanted to like like seem like, oh, well, it's your fault you were incarcerated and it was good for you. Like, that's the opposite of what the show is about. If it was good for people, more will be rehabilitated than they are
1: and god bless you you have an amazing mother and and i love that that you called it i'm gonna to have to cut it short i we'll have to do more of this on uh-huh. another show to be fair i appreciate that stan was was voicing i thought he was not i didn't think it was necessary i didn't think i didn't hear any racism there i think it's hard to hear, hear these
6: people at the end i mean black people I, I
1: think he, I, I'm, people. I i don't mean to be overly but I, I think he was talking about people that are incarcerated listen i'm a formerly incarcerated individual so I I get it, and and I think that it's hard sometimes to look through the other side of the looking glass. We're going to come back another show, another time, and get this de- continuous debate. Thank you, Carol. Nope, Thank, you. Thank you, Tamar, Thank you, <laughs> for being on the We're program. Hard, God bless yeah. you both. Well, Thanks
3: for having me. See yeah. you soon.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Help you Cause none of them can stop the time